Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In this conversation I'm speaking to Naresh Jain who needs no introduction to the Indian agile community having started the agile software community in 2004 and going on to engage them with various ways particularly the agile india conference that happens every year he talks about his initial career roles and also how the paper on test infected by kent beck influenced him and he saw the value behind extreme programming we also talk about building communities using conferences and what goes into putting together a good conference then he shares how he landed up as a coach or a mentor and some of the different roles such as coach mentor trainer and a captain that one needs to be when engaging with teams and helping them improve we also talk about the code room and the board room and how he is able to relate to both of them and finally he shares his ideas that he is experimenting this year in the agile india conference and of course some tips for those aspiring coaches listen on welcome to the software people stories naresh i know that uh, you are pretty well known and you do have a, a big fan base but still for the listeners it will be good to hear your origin story as well as what has been your let's say you know professional uh, trajectory in your own words and then we will take it from there sure sure thanks uh, for having me shiv i'd like to believe that i am uh, a practitioner a uh, hands on uh, developer and someone who is still exploring and trying to figure out and learn every day Uh, I happened to start my career uh, building neural networks for uh, the Indian Space Research Organization. Uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, twenty years back, neural networks were pretty shitty, so we couldn't do much. Uh, but that kind of helped me uh, get into more of a professional career at uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, which where they were building things for uh, equity research using neural networks, and they wanted someone to test the model and that's how i kind of uh, got into a corporate life if you will it always amazed me in terms of why can't we figure out that what we have built actually works before it goes out to someone in testing or whatever uh, and that kind of led me to my journey on to uh, figuring out this uh, paper from kent beck uh, test infected uh, and that kind of it made me actually fall off the chair laughing uh, when i when i read about that paper because i was thinking that uh, kent is actually uh, pulling a fast one right like nobody around me back then loved testing or writing tests right At, especially the developers and so this paper was uh, talking about how developers should learn uh, uh, how developers love writing tests 
uh, and so it kind of was a bit of thing but this this actually to me was a cornerstone in terms of actually seeing the real value behind extreme programming if you will and that led me to thoughtworks and then uh, from there onwards to many interesting companies and i think uh in my career so far i've been extremely fortunate to been in in a lot of interesting companies where uh i i've learned tremendously and i hope i've added some value uh in the process so that that is uh something that i would say on the uh, professional side uh, that's how i've kind of grown along the way somewhere i think you know me owen rogers and manoj uh, put together the first agile india conference and uh, that has become also a part of my identity if you will nowadays since 2004 been uh, running the agile india conferences and uh, the community and i feel that's another uh, part of me which then got me into organizing conferences itself you know so agile india was uh, one thing but then we kind of grew uh, beyond agile india uh, you know i know simon reached out to me he he said that india has a very large selenium uh, user base and we would like to run a conference in india and i know that you you know are someone who is highly recommended to put together a community uh, based conference and so i kind of happened to run selenium from there came appium you know open data science conference functional programming jquery eclipse like a lot of conferences yeah. from there and uh, it's been a, again a, a fascinating journey for me organizing conferences itself yeah so those are i think the two parts uh, about me if you will in a short sir yeah and that's nice a few questions triggered by that sure. uh, before i come to uh, the other side of naresh from being a rocket scientist since you started that <laughs> of sorts <Not. laughs> yeah uh, to becoming a coach or a trainer or helping organizations we'll come to that uh, probably a little later but first is in terms of even organizing these conferences i think conferences have been successful because of the communities so what has been your experience and how did you get to become let's say a catalyst for creating these communities or nurturing these communities that's a great question chip uh, i remember when me owen and uh, manoj were trying to put together uh, that supposedly the first extreme programming conference xp day and uh, someone made a comment that you know who is this conference for right there isn't a community like who are you putting the conference together and me being the stupid uh young chap then i i made the comment that if there isn't a community the conference will build the community that's mm-hmm. how i i think we started with the uh, agile india conference and slowly uh there's so many people i never knew in india who were doing extreme programming back then for example subex systems there used to be a company called subex systems you know kd who was yeah. the cto he came uh, forward saying hey we have tremendously benefited from extreme programming we would love to support this conference uh, and he did a generous donation of 1 lakh rupees back then to to wow. the conference and it was actually a donation he said we don't need any recognition we've just benefited so much from this conference and this is where i felt like you know there is actually a community we may not be seeing it but when we try to put a conference together you will see this community like almost uh, you know people emerging from the forest come out and you see this this community forming together and then you see a lot of people at the fence right who are not sure 
who are new or are still kind of exp uh, thinking about it and then you also slowly expand and bring them in right and that's what i think you know these conferences uh, have meant to me is is to 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 bring in people uh, into the community pull them into the community and build the community stronger so hopefully that kind of answers your question what, what's kind of the interest for me in the community yeah the first part uh, but also having been uh, part of the program committee a few times and also looking at the kind of submissions that have been coming in i've always had this curiosity question so many people who want to share their experience find this as a good platform to share but in spite of the numbers that has been growing you've been able to maintain both a certain quality as well as a diversity of topics and experiences that come in so as a person who is also a professional who has probably certain preferences certain favorite topics and all that now how do you balance to make sure that uh, the conferences that you put together are all you know balanced and you know, bring out something for the participants absolutely i think uh, that's again a great question in terms of uh, you know putting to pro putting a program together is uh, you know people it, it's way harder than people think about it for few reasons right one is a lot of times we don't know a lot of stuff right no matter how how good you are how well uh, read you are there are always things that you don't know when proposals start coming in you have to do your amount of research on that topic you know so one could look at it as a great way to expand and learn uh, but it's also challenging because there's always a time crunch right so how do you balance that so uh, the first part of putting a, a good program together is a accepting that there's so much you don't know and then actually going and reading about it so you can do a good evaluation of the proposal that has come in the second aspect like you said is we all have our backgrounds our experiences our biases and so you know one has to really keep that aside and evaluate the proposals for the the real value of it uh right and then you also have to i always keep saying right we we want to put a conference together which we are interested in attending it's not we are not putting a conference together for somebody else we are putting to a conference together because we don't feel that there is this quality of conference that i would like to go and attend that will help me learn and grow and so at some stage i think all of us you know shiv you've been a very integral part of this we all came together with the belief that let's put together a conference that we believe that we want to attend that we would enjoy attending you know you have to keep your favorite topics everything aside uh, because you want to learn as well and you want to you know explore new topics and stuff like that and a lot of times uh, about the diversity aspect right there is a very important aspect about diversity is experience of presenting at conferences you know we get very seasoned speakers we are fortunate to have uh, people who who are very experienced who come and speak at the conference or willing to come and speak but we also get a lot of aspiring first time speakers and so how do you nurture them how do you mentor them how do you give them the opportunity that uh, gives them the confidence to go on and do more right and i i believe uh, that that is another important like dilemma often 
is uh, you know where do you draw the line and how you know how do you strike a balance because you know you want to give opportunity to first time speakers but you also want to you know make sure that the conference program is attractive with big names and so forth to to draw people's attention that's the third aspect of the balance that becomes harder uh, and of course uh, people from different countries and uh, different backgrounds and you know also diversity of topics uh, is is very important and so i think someone once said that agile india for them is is very interesting because uh, we are always on the lookout for topics at the edge the mainstream topics but the topics at the edge uh, and i think that's also hard right because uh not many people at the edge think what they're doing is interesting enough to be shared helping them believe and get them to the program uh, is harder so i know shiv you probably know this but we try and strike a balance in terms of invited speakers versus through the open submission and that's also been a topic of contention right so a lot of people feel that we should go full all you know open submission only there are people either uh, you know very well known folks who are not going to come through a submission system or there are people who are not known at all uh, but are doing very interesting things and they are not going to come usually through a submission system as well so we also have to go and look out for those folks and then try to weave them into the program so anyway like those are few aspects in terms of uh, the diversity and maintaining and then uh, you know working very hard towards stopping your own bias uh, towards the topics that you have a natural inclination but i still think honestly you know all said and done uh, the program will still be little biased in my opinion uh, and that's to, the flavor or the character of the conference any yeah, conference that's the character is how we can say and get away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the reality yes i have a couple more questions on uh, agile india will come to that but before that i am also curious you also practice one of the statements in the value saying you know, by doing it and helping others do it yeah. so you've also been a coach and you've been helping a lot of teams and organizations so what was the trigger or what was the inflection point that from an individual contributor i can make a greater impact as someone who helps others i think back when i was at thoughtworks and as we were running these conferences one of the things uh, that occurred to me is that you know there are a lot of people out there who want to uh, you know who aspire to do things better but they don't have uh, someone to guide them or mentor them and as someone trying to run those agile india conferences it kind of put you in a in a opportunity uh, where you could potentially people could see you as someone who knows about this topic and someone who could influence it and so i started getting a lot of requests for weekend you know, visiting their office and you know having a look at what they're doing and giving some suggestions or things like that so it started purely as a something we could do over the weekend to kind of uh, do this and then i used to work for thoughtworks back then and thoughtworks obviously was in the business of consulting through thoughtworks i remember ended up uh, ended up going to uh, you know to us for a, for consulting for a company and th- that's where again like i started creating this agile philly user group and you know it kind of started uh, getting a little bit more into I, I i wouldn't say coaching but a little bit more mentoring if you will 
uh, role with with teams mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it was an interesting experience right like this ability that uh, you know what knowledge you have you can package it in a way that people can find it meaningful and useful that realization is is a bit addictive as well like it kind of uh, helps you you know do more and more of it so that's kind of how i landed a little bit into mentoring organizations if you will yeah i was i was at this conference that uh, jb rainsberg had put together and uh, that's where i met debra hartman and we were talking about the difference between coaching and mentoring and other forms of consulting or training and things like that and that's kind of what triggered this thought process for us to put together uh, the first agile coach camp in michigan so deb and i put together uh, you know something called as the agile coach camp that is the point where when talking to a lot of other folks we started trying to draw the differences between what a coach does versus what a mentor does versus what a trainer does and sometimes when you are in consulting you need to wear these different hats i i also happen to say that there is another role called the captain's role right which is very different from a coach's role and so i've often struggled between the coach's role and the captain's role because sometimes you get too vested in the company and what you're trying to do and you mm-hmm. end up playing the captain's role a little bit where you try to uh, take charge of uh, you know responsibility for the outcomes and you get too attached with the problems which while as a coach i i always find that you're a little detached from the outcomes and you you really want to help people improve their skills and do the best they can and enabling them uh is more important so it's like you know taking the sports analogy uh, as a coach you want good sportsmanship you want a good game whether you win or lose is not so critical but as as a captain winning or losing becomes very critical and so i've always been yeah. uh, at least uh, since 2012 i would say uh, i've been struggling between these two roles to a large extent and my journey of uh, you know getting into uh, mentoring and then a little bit of coaching and then also playing the captain and then still struggling between the two at the beginning of our conversation you introduce yourself as a developer now from an individual contributor or somebody who goes there and does that and coming up to probably shades of captaincy how do you say balance of the uh, how do you relate to the needs of the code room as well as the board room i think that's that's always a struggle right i'm a creator at heart i'm a developer at heart and i mean i like development because the the, the sheer joy of do, doing something of constructivism of building something and you can see it in action you know i still like write code every day and and sometimes i even tell people that if i if i don't write code i can't fall asleep <laughs> because you know it's it's therapeutic for me when it is in the code room uh, it is you know a lot of things are under your control but when it's in the board room there are many factors that are outside your control and often uh, the job is to try and you know project a uh, you know a path forward even without knowing that what you don't know and what are all the variables out there uh, for me uh, the, the the kind of playing leadership role in some of the companies that i've had and having to uh, interact with board or with investors has has uh, always been a challenging journey because because of all the unknowns and things like that but it's also a very fascinating thing because you really see how people are trying to uh, drive the vision that they have you can you know bring the pragmatism of someone on the ground 
uh, into that boardroom and help people understand that hey this is you know practical or not but one of the things that i really love about being in the boardrooms is that they, they are looking at real transformations right like uh, in in the boardrooms they are not looking at what is the next logical small improvement that we can make generally when i put myself in the developer shoes i'm thinking very small incremental pieces right like it's it's one step at a time but in the boardroom you are you're in the opposite spectrum of that uh, you're looking at essentially you know what is the next quantum leap as a as a company and as a industry you could make and so uh, sometimes you when you go from one extreme to another extreme it kind of g- gives you a very interesting perspective to contribute saying how you know you can completely disrupt something or do something in a very different way than uh, than before so that's the, the i i would say the spectrum between you know developing something on your own where everything is under your control to trying to drive a transformation in the boardroom where uh there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of uh, things outside your control yeah so when you talk about transformation and disruption and also at the boardroom level there are a lot of fuzzy issues maybe on one side the culture or anything that goes along with that or on the other side the dreaded roi mm-hmm. of these initiatives so how do you usually explain to them or let them understand that whether some things take time or what could be ways in which they can get some reassurance i often find that it is logic does not really hold very good in the boardrooms you can have all your logical arguments laid out but they don't work that well not because the folks there are not logical but those folks over there are looking at unrealistic goals they are looking at a transformation they are looking at the next quantum leap and uh, logic sometimes doesn't cut it so what has been generally my strategy that has helped me is to try and you know make a bold statement that resonates with them that gets their attention so i remember in one of those meetings i had mentioned that code is a liability the less you have is better right so all these measurements that we are putting together is all essentially measuring output and so you know that may be misleading right and that resonated with them right and so uh, you you get a, a nexus with them that yes you know this this guy understands what we are talking about and so that is where people move from more of a uh, output centric view of what the initiatives we are trying to drive to more of an outcome based uh, view and uh, you know that's where then again we can put our heads together and come up with a set of outcome metrics and things like that which which can help uh, the company move forward but it's not just what you can measure it's also things that which again i don't really like using the word mindset or culture but there is that aspect is that the, what's the vibe in the office right when you enter the office what does it feel like and so there are uh, softer aspects or there are uh, experiences that are hard to kind of uh, you know put on a number to it uh, but that's also helping the board see that and kind of experience that uh, is important uh, but i find often these guys have a very high eq and so if you can try and strike a accord with them on the eq level i think it it generally helps so that's yeah. kind of a little bit of what i've done but honestly there isn't there isn't a silver bullet it's there is it a technique that always works uh and different companies have different pain points i think uh, uh, one thing uh, at least good thing that i have learned from coaching is a 
listen right listen and help them articulate the problem clearly so once you can help the board articulate their concern clearly that itself to me is half of the problem solved once you've got there then it's a question of you know trying to make one or two meaningful statements that help them resonate that okay you know this is kind of the direction or this is what is important and uh, of course the gray hairs helps because now they see as someone who has uh, enough credibility so they will give you a bit of uh, faith uh, or or trust uh, to 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 try out something and then kind of demonstrate what i would say yeah on the lighter side i think too much of gray hair like what i have is the liability because recently <laughs> i was talking to someone and uh, they said yeah we understand what you're saying everything is fine but if you don't mind can we ask you a question said yeah please how do you keep in touch with what is happening now probably the assumption was that probably something that i knew years ago is what i'm going to be coming and then you know talking about or doing that so it is an interesting question then <laughs> gray hair was not a great asset but if you see my uh, generally introductions i always say struggling to stay stay up to date with technology evolution right uh, <laughs> it's not a question about gray hair or whatever but i think the honest answer is all of us are struggling to stay up to date there yeah. is just so much happening around us and the mm-hmm. the rate of change is just mind boggling which means that uh the rate at which we need to unlearn has to go up significantly given the amount of things that are changing i mean i still run into engineering heads and stuff like that who are stuck in you know this premature performance optimizations or things like that and you're like hey you know guys you're talking as if you know we are in the 90s you know this is not how you know uh, the virtual machines work anymore right there's a whole lot of optimizations that they do uh, that you know what you're doing is is kind of an anti pattern but it's just like i've been fortunate to be in that but i still don't know what i don't know and there might be yeah. like a whole lot of uh, anti patterns that i might also be suggesting in fact uh, this is a interesting point where i should talk about one uh, experiment i ran and this is also uh, you know like we've been running conferences and so putting these conferences together you know is a lot of just coordination work and so uh, back in 2011 2012 i started just hacking like a little tool for for myself to just streamline some of the coordination work of the conferences and so that is like a platform that is evolved called confingen right but when i started working on confingen i took a conscious call because i started feeling that i am getting too dogmatic about things right so so i took a conscious call that i will basically not do anything that i consider myself as uh, as a best practice or as as something that i would recommend other people because i felt like i was probably getting too dogmatic or, or you know too out of touch with what is going on out there so i i picked you know the worst possible programming language anyone would recommend php right and uh, everyone was like laughing at it like you know like why would you write something in php and i was trying to explain to them that hey you know this is really an experiment for me to to really throw away whatever i think is best and start as if i'm a kid out of a college and see what happens and you would be surprised it's been uh 9 years now maybe close to 10 years i do not regret even a single time you know building that in php in fact you know it's it's become one of my favorite languages and i've been able to convince a whole lot of people who first laugh at it 
to actually now see the power of the simplicity that it brings together, the share nothing architecture of PHP. Similarly, like this, there were a lot of other decisions. So up till very recently, we were always running Configen on a shared hosting, right? We used to pay like $10 a month uh, for shared hosting. And I used to run basically all my sites on that same shared hosting server. And people would be amazed, like how, how could you run something like, you know, like Configent on a shared hosting server? It's not possible, right? Like, but actually we, we kind of tend to uh, throw away a lot of this stuff, you know, in the name of, uh, you know, whatever, like next gen engineering excellence kind of things. Right. And we, we throw away the simplicity. In fact, till we, we didn't have any tests. We didn't write any tests in, uh, in, in Configent. And again, that is, uh, I've, I've spoken about this before, is that when you, when you practice something test-driven development for 10 years, and then you stop doing it uh, out of choice, not, not as a uh, accident, but out of choice, then you actually see the trade-offs that you were making back then. One simple example is I know when I write tests, I can get away with some amount of complexity. But when I don't have tests, then I can't really get away with any complexity because that is immediately going to bite me back. So yeah. that is one thing that has been very profound for me is the amount of simplicity now I can achieve in code uh, because I don't have the safety net of tests. And sometimes, you know, you... Uh, you it takes 10 years for you to realize that <laughs> but anyway you know that that just uh, went into the sidetrack a little bit to just explain about how sometimes we all have to step back and reevaluate uh, what we think are uh, considered as the state of the art things and go back to the basics to just realize that you know that is really not the case that's that's been my experience basically yeah, that's very interesting on one hand they say that there is so much to learn and things that we need to keep pace with or whether we really need to keep pace with is the second part maybe things that work for us but knowing all this i think it's a good segue to come back to the agile india conference where uh, i think i mean this is personally something that i have experienced and one of the reasons i'm also happy about contributing towards it is it's like a pressure cooker learning in those few days, you get such a diversity of topics and people who have been there, done that. It is not only concepts that are discussed. So would you like to share some sneak peek or preview into what's in store this year? It's hardly another month, right? About Yeah, I mean, Agile India has always been a, that, like you said, the pressure cooker learning, right? Like is amazing. Uh, and it's also something where uh, you look at your own learning and you try to figure out uh, what's missing in this program and how you can, you know, strike that balance. So for me, this year is going to be very special because I have been trying to get Ward Cunningham uh, to come and speak at this conference since we started, right? 2004 onwards, every year, pretty much, I would try to uh, send an email to him saying, you know, Ward, if you're available, can you please come to the conference? Because for me, Ward, uh, Ward Cunningham holds a very special place. You know, he's probably one of the guys who has done so much to contribute to this community. I think that we probably sometimes overlook. Uh, he's the inventor of Wiki. He's the one who started design patterns. You know, he was uh, Agile Manifesto Signatory, uh, core uh, creator of extreme programming and on and on, right? Uh, but he he's one of the things he's not that well known for is he started something called FIT, 
which is you know this is a framework uh, for uh, fit isn't for testing uh, is what it stands for and this was a way before all your bdd really kicked in right this was kind of the precursor for bdd and i remember having this great opportunity once to pair with him on on fit and uh, what i realized is what is also some of one of the guys who really made object oriented popular right but he had violated a lot of over principles in that fit framework and it kind of gave me a glimpse into how a, how a genius thinks right so you make the rules first and then you break the rules uh, yeah. to to really go beyond it right and and fit was one such experience for me and uh, and i have seen what do that so many times so it's very fascinating so uh, that's one thing i would say that i'm i'm really looking forward to to this conference is is finally having the opportunity to host what at the conference wow. we have uh, a whole bunch of other fascinating speakers that are that are coming to the conference you know the 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 key thing i would tell uh, at least for me is uh, when i put these conferences together is the opportunity to actually spend some time with these speakers you know which which is very hard otherwise you know you read their books you you see them online all that is great right but when you actually sit down and get to know them as a person and you're able to share some of your learnings with them and see their reaction to it it's a it's a very different form of learning i would say and so that is there is something that i i generally you know look forward to these conferences and i encourage everyone to to take this opportunity because one thing that we truly believe is that reading a book about some topic is one thing and getting to actually pick a person's brain on on a specific problem that you are solving is a very different thing and so these conferences give you that opportunity to be able to you know just walk up to these speakers of course in the virtual world you can now do a video call with these speakers and uh, get the opportunity to pick their brains on the specific problem that you are facing and that's to me like free consulting that you're getting but more importantly just this form of interaction is what i look forward to uh, at the conference yeah i i i mean of course there are a lot of other speakers and i i can spend the rest of the you know evening talking about them but this is of course isn't about agile india so i i'll just mention that one uh, name and pause yeah anyway we will include the details of the conference in the show notes but just to quickly tell our listeners what are the dates for the conference this year yeah so the conference is happening november 18th 19th and 20th it's a three day conference we have you know for the listeners who who are familiar with agile india we generally used to use a format of uh, one theme per day and so we used to do a four day conference with pre and post conference workshops uh, this year we decided to uh, do something different every year we do something different and that's the fun part of running a conference for me is every year there's a new experiment this year the experiment is what if we break away from these theme wise days and actually mix up the themes so what you will see is actually across the three days we have intentionally mixed up all the themes because i i strongly believe that you know if you are a program manager or if you are a product manager then all you need to know about is product management or program management is not the right view uh, in my opinion so by mixing everything up and basically creating a, what someone might call a hodgepodge of a, of a schedule i believe might actually be a great exposure to people to learn about all the different aspects about what it takes to put you know beautiful modern 
products out there. So yeah, that, 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 so that's uh, another uh, interesting experiment we are running this year. We will see how it goes. You know, I, I already got a lot of emails from people saying, hey, why are we not doing the day-wise themes and why are we not selling tickets per day? And I'm like, hey, you know, please trust us and you know, uh, be part of this experiment. We will see how it goes. Uh, you know, we need to try something different every year. But we do hear a lot about becoming full stack, whatever, yeah. right? So this probably helps in discovering adjacencies and then becoming fuller stack than you know, whatever one is today. Full stack is a very interesting concept, right? <laughs> Generally, people talk about full stack in the context of a developer, which basically mm. means you should be able to uh, work on the full technology stack, which right. means front end, back end, databases, etc. But there's another dimension of full stack, right? Is basically that understanding the requirements, breaking down the requirements, you know, then uh, coming up with a solution architecting it in, in some way, actually doing the development along the way, probably also testing it. And then also thinking about, you know, uh, capacity planning, how you're going to deploy this, how you're going to manage this in operations and what kind of observability, et cetera. So that's another dimension on full stack, in my opinion, right? I think as we are kind of evolving, like a lot of solopreneurs that I see uh, who are people who've built an entire business uh, technology business, they generally end up being full stack on both these dimensions. Yeah. Uh, and I think personally, that's the journey I'm also taking. And I feel like that makes you contribute far more to the problem space uh, than kind of being full stack in just one dimension. I think that's, uh, as you rightly said, the, the conference is trying to give people exposure to all these elements of full stack, which is... You know, one is obviously the uh, front end, back end, that kind of a full stack. The other is also uh, the life cycle full stack, yeah. right? And so hopefully, uh, you know, people will get a feel for it. As we come towards the end of this conversation, there's one question that I normally ask you know, my guests, which is career advice. In your case, it is more about uh, people wanting to become a coach. They heard you know, multiple reasons. Sometimes they say, I'm tired of doing the same thing. Let me do something else. Or today, the coach seems to be an aspirational role or a safe role, particularly in larger organizations that are taking up these transformation initiatives, saying that I don't want to become redundant. I haven't heard a great full reason to become a coach with many existing uh, you know, people who say, that, can I become a coach? So what would yeah. be your thoughts on that? And I'm sorry, I'll go a little controversial here, but I think this fascination for becoming a coach right is is a bit of a misplaced fascination in my opinion i didn't grow up thinking hey i will be a coach right it is something that you become over a period of time people call you a coach you don't become a coach if you will i see a lot of people out there going through whatever these certifications these trainings and then basically working their way through and organizations also giving them the hope that yes you do these uh, you follow this path and you will become you know a coach nobody becomes a great teacher by you know going through a set curriculum and giving a bunch of examination to become like a teacher right like you have to earn the respect to be a teacher i don't think you should set out saying i want to be a coach i think you should set out saying hey i want to uh, make a real difference in whatever my area of expertise is and as you start doing more and more of that people will come to you seeking for help saying hey you know can you help me with this right and someday you will realize that you are 
being a mentor or a coach uh, to people. And that's how I look at uh, being a coach rather than you declaring yourself, I am a coach and, you know, trying to uh, often with your limited experience in the overall space, trying to guide people or misguide people. Uh, I, I unfortunately see a lot of that happening. And every time I, I feel someone throwing their weight around saying I'm a certified X and I am this and that, I feel sorry for them because, you know, this, this is not going to help you in the long run. Right. And, you know, do what you're doing, go deep in what you're doing and earn that uh, badge to be a coach. Don't self-declare and uh, start telling people what they should do, because that's not what great teachers do. Thanks. But I have a bonus question. <laughs> Just, what is the, the Naresh formula or the Naresh model for time management? <laughs> that Naresh is very bad. At. In fact, uh, two weeks back, out of action, I was, I was not well for about a week. And one of my really good friends said, hey, this is a wake up call for you. You know, you should realize that your body is not designed to work so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually do believe that I'm, I'm not a great person to give advice on that. One thing I've learned from my dad is there is no shortcut, but hard work, right? I end up doing a lot of hard work and not probably smart work. So I am probably the, the wrong person to be giving anybody advice on time management. I think there are people who I envy who get so much done, but also have the right balance, you know, between uh, the work and what they like to do and family and etc. And I'm probably not the best person when it comes to this. Very candid. So on that note, uh, Naresh, let me thank you for the time taken and all your stories and the experience that you've shared. Absolutely. Thanks, Shiv. It was uh, great and I appreciate all the interesting questions you've asked me. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.